Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. Well, we got a big episode today. First and foremost, uh, we got the Leafs and Oilers going down later tonight here in Toronto. So super excited to have Connor McDavid in town. Still really weird that we're not going to be able to go down and, and watch it as, as fans. But nonetheless, we'll still get to watch uh, McJesus at work tonight as he takes the ice down at Scotiabank Arena. But more importantly, I am joined today by a special guest, Rachel Dory, host of the Staff and Graph podcast, formerly of the New Jersey Devils, and a master's student currently at York trying to get, uh, was it a doctorate right now? In, in, in like, well, Tell us a little bit about your background and what you're doing right now with your master's. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm at my master's at York. It's in uh, sports science and analytics. Um, mine is geared far more towards analytics, but essentially um, just a two-year program. I haven't decided if I'm going to do a PhD yet. Um, that's a little bit further down the road. Um, but yeah, essentially I'm just, I'm studying hockey operations and efficiencies, um, with a specific focus on, on drafting and development and player valuation. So, uh, things like trades and, and things like that. So, um, just kind of in the middle of my research right now and, uh, things are going well, so I can't, uh, can't complain other than online class. That sucks to have to yeah. teach and, and learn. Cause I'm both. Um, it's quite interesting. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've got, to, you know, a couple of buddies who are in academia and, and they're also saying how kind of difficult it is, especially having to like TA and, and teach at the same time as, as doing some of your, your research. And it's, it's gotta be tough. I feel for a lot of the students, even I, I was, I was having a conversation with, you know, some guys that I went to school with first year and I was like, I couldn't even imagine having to do everything online. It must be so difficult. Yeah, like I so in when you're taking your master's, you don't have the whole hour and a half, hour and a half class anymore, like two days a week. It's everything is a three hour class. Um, and when you're sitting at a computer for, for three hours, like I won't lie, I have the TV on, like my TV is kind of right to my right hand side here. And and I've got the TV on and um uh, today like I've got class and I'll have CNN on. Uh obviously it's a big day, but yeah. Um it's it's much harder to stay focused um mainly because I, th- I find when I'm actually sitting in class like I can zero in on stuff whereas here there's just there's way too many distractions well you thought talk about like this year specifically the fact that there's there's no fans in the stands so it seems like there's a lot more daytime start games in the NHL around the league so you're sitting there trying to get through a, a reading or trying to do some research at like four in the afternoon just before the Leafs game but all of a sudden you look to your right and you got you know the Bruins playing Detroit or something you're just they're actually they're not even the same <laughs> but the but Bruins you're are playing the Devils <laughs> Bruins exactly okay playing the Devils and it's just it, it obviously super distracting uh but yeah no that's 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 crazy uh what's something that you so far have kind of uh learned or taken from you know your your thesis so far throughout your schooling um, so a couple of things, um, that Russian player usage. So like young players, Vasily Podkolzin, um, is the best example right now. Um, it's not best for their development to play in the KHL cause they don't actually get to play a lot. Whereas if you look at, um, some younger players that are playing, um, in Sweden or in Finland, they might not be playing in the, in the KHL, but they're getting more minutes and, the most critical point of development is essentially between the ages of 17 and 20. Um, and you have to be playing. So having a guy like Rasmus Sandin sit in your press box right now is, is not great. Yeah. Um, obviously there's extenuating circumstances, but that's something I've learned. Um, I've so also learned just, just off kind of, of about like, off that point, just in, in, you know, as a Leafs perspective, I suppose, 
you know, the, the Leafs were extremely draft heavy this year overseas and in Europe. And obviously first round pick, they took Roddy Amirov, who's playing in the KHL. So is that something that you're a little worried about from a Leafs perspective, trying to kind of, you know, go to the Russian well for the first time in a while and maybe it won't work out quite as well? Or is this something that you're not as worried about? Um, I'm not as worried about it right now just because I actually think the Leafs, what they did was very smart. They didn't take any CHL players for the most part. I think they took William Villeneuve and that was it yeah. because I, I firmly believe that they kind of knew that there wasn't going to be junior hockey in Canada and, and losing that year of development was crucial for, for a player. And so I actually was pretty pleased when they just took European players knowing full well that they were going to be playing so they weren't going to lose that year of development. Um, as far as Rodion Amirov is concerned, I don't think he's going to be a player that is in Russia for very long. Like, I think that he, at some point, he gets brought over here pretty soon. I believe his contract's up next year. Um, but it would definitely be concerning if, if he was playing four and five minutes a night. You want, you want your guys playing, if they're playing in the KHL, you want them playing at least 10 or 12 minutes. Um, and so Rodion Amirov seems to be getting that ice time, but if he was to be healthy scratch the way Pod Colson is, um, I would definitely have, have some concerns. And I think the Leafs, um, they probably have, uh, they've got Jim Palafito. So he's probably got a good relationship with some people in Russia. And, uh, that might be part of the reason why they feel comfortable with Amirov's situation. That's a good point. And, and I know, you know, there's a lot of respect for him out there as well. And, you know, it's 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 funny the the season as a whole when it comes to uh, you know the, the Maple Leafs and the way that they drafted. You're right; it was something that I brought up and certainly something that I noticed and I felt was intentional. Although you know Duba said that's not intentional; it was kind of how the board fell. I don't believe to be the case. I think they definitely were worried about the fact that CHL hockey was not going to be a thing and they didn't want to lose these guys. Although it does seem like a lot of CHLers ended up just going and playing over in Europe anyways, whether it's in Sweden, Switzerland, wherever. Uh, but still, regardless, I, I firmly with you there where I think that was very much intentional. Uh, speaking of, of, you know, the Leafs and, and the NHL, before we do kind of dive deeper into your thoughts on, on Toronto season so far, and we'll also do a little bit of an Oilers Leafs tee up for tonight's game. Just want to get your overall early impressions on the season as a whole. Uh, anything that's kind of stuck out to you so far? Um, well, I knew this might be the case because of the lack of preseason and how short training camp was, but there are a few teams in the Canadian division that look extremely discombobulated in their own end. Mm -hmm. um, like Vancouver and Edmonton, it looks like a fire drill inside of a circus. Like it's, <laughs> it's atrocious. Um, and neither team has the goaltending to, to mitigate that um, specifically not Edmonton. No. Um, but I think um, there's a, maybe a little bit of a worrying trend I've noticed with the Leafs. Um, at least they start on time now, so we can give them that. Um, but they don't seem – I am obviously a nerd, um, so I track things just for my own kind of thing. I don't know. Um, the Leafs are not generating as many high-danger scoring chances as they did last year, and certainly not as many as I expect them to with – the amount of money they're paying their forwards. Um, so that's a little bit concerning to me. Um, I think that as we kind of get into it here, I think tonight will be a little bit different. It's a lot easier to get to the middle with Edmonton and, and get to the, the high danger areas of the ice. Um, but yeah, that's a bit of a bit of a worrying trend for me. By my count, they had three scoring chances against Ottawa. Like it's Ottawa. Yeah. To get it together. That was it, like uh, on Friday specifically, you mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that it, was that was a, a bad. poor game. Yeah. Definitely. Um, that was a poor game. <laughs> and even Saturday they weren't they weren't great to be fair. Um I thought they were pretty good against Winnipeg. Like they had stretches where they were dominant. Um and that's the kind of play that you need uh consistently. So I would expect tonight, um, I think Edmonton's gonna come heavy and, and we can I guess talk about this in a bit but um the whole not getting to the middle of the ice um I'm not too concerned about Matthews not scoring yet I think he's shooting like three or four percent like that's not gonna 
stay. No. There's going to be some regression positively there, and he'll probably score, have a couple two-goal games, and, and everything will be fine. Yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about because uh, he looks he looks dynamite. He's he's been unbelievable and oh yeah. Uh, you know, well, TJ Brody on the other hand has not. Really, you haven't been a fan of Brody. What what do you what are you not liking about him so far? Let's just get into. It. Let's just talk about the Leafs. That's that's what we're here to do, anyways. Let's yeah. Um. Okay. So I thought he was good against Winnipeg. The TJ Brody. I'll say this. Best case scenario for TJ Brody is I don't notice him at all. He's yeah. one of those defensemen where if you don't notice him playing next to Morgan Riley, he's had a great game. But, Lord, that first night against Ottawa, like, Ray Ferraro said it perfectly. He had his stick in the air like a javelin. Um, And then he passed the puck to the other team for the third goal. And then he lost somebody else on the second goal. Like, it was just a a comedy of errors for him. Um, You never defend with your stick high up in the air like that. It should never be perpendicular to the ice. Um. And so I thought he's had a rough start, and that could probably be attributed to the new system. I thought he was better against Winnipeg, uh, for sure. Um, but for me, like, I haven't been impressed, per se, but I'm, I'm leaving the door open because I think that this is bar none the best partner Morgan Riley has had. And it will take a few games, but I would expect by games seven and eight that he's uh, – kind of right into the swing of things and, and not making egregious defensive errors in his own end. Yeah, I, I think a, a big reason, and I've said it before a couple times on, on the podcast, you know, I'm, I'm leaving the first couple of weeks before I really cement my my thoughts on on some of these new guys and even some of the players who were going because you know there wasn't a proper training camp it was a weird off season there was no exhibition game so I kind of chalk up the first couple weeks as exhibitions and unfortunately these games count right it does count against the standings but I still think you're going to see those errors some lapses in judgment you know some team some players may not be uh, as you know game ready or game shape as you would like you know it's not quite mid season form because they they only got their first taste of action back like a week ago, right? Last week was against Montreal. The first you can, you can be all happy and, and think that, okay, yeah, they look good in that blue versus white scrimmage, but it's not game action. It's just not. So yeah. uh, to me, I, I'm, I'm not uh, as, as concerned or, or worried about a lot of these players uh, quite yet. And, and to me, I've seen progression since, you know, the game last week on Wednesday, Friday was just a blunder. You can toss that out the window. That was an awful game by everybody. I can't maybe Hyman and that line was decent, but other than that, like that whole game was awful. And then they came back, played well on Saturday, good response I thought, and then that game against Winnipeg kind of fell off a little bit in the third period, but those first two periods I thought they were fantastic. And I just see the progression from night to night as the season goes on and and I feel like that's just, you know, this team creating chemistry, getting their legs underneath them as they move forward through the season. Yeah, and I think I would agree with you. I'm I'm taking the first probably six games with a grain of salt, um, just because of the situation and and how different things are. Um, but with that being said, there are definitely like to me, there's there's no reason that Travis Dermott and Miko Letnin are playing less than Zach Bogosian, for example. Um, I just. I think if you're going to give defensemen an opportunity to, to kind of step up, those would be the two defensemen. Um, so were and, you not a fan of the 11 and seven and the way that, that Keith was deploying his defenseman the other night, like Mika Lettinen and like, you're, you're, you're a fan of Mika Lettinen first and foremost, that you, you believe that he can be a top four guy in the league and, and a guy who can, you know, kind of quarterback a power play and only getting six minutes or was a five and change six and change the other night. Um, you know, probably didn't sit well with you, I would assume. Yeah, and I understand what Keith's trying to do. Like, he's trying to ease him in, which good on Sheldon Keith for doing that because you don't want to sewer a guy in his first few games. And we can see how, like, a guy could get his confidence completely shattered. So I, I could understand that. But to me, like, Miko Lettinen is very well-rounded. Like, he's he's got a good shot. Um, he distributes the puck well. He's a good skater. He makes his plays in stride. Um, I think the only worry is how they're gonna, how he's gonna adjust defensively to a smaller ice surface. Um, he didn't come up, obviously, if you're named Bobby Orlettin, known as a defensive defenseman. Um, 
but he's definitely improved. I mean, if you're a point a game in the KHL as a defenseman, like that's nothing to um, sniff at. So I think for me, like if he earns the trust of the coaching staff, I fully expect that he will take Justin Hall's place. Um, I personally don't love Justin Hall. Um, I think he's played acceptably, um, but if you can have a better option there, like, first of all, Miguel Letnin is certainly better than Zach Bogosian. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't know. Like, I think some of the decisions Morgan Riley makes on the power play leave something to be desired. Um, and I think Miguel Letnin has kind of shown he can quarterback a power play, at least in the KHL, with a lot of skilled players. So why wouldn't you give him that opportunity? Because Toronto just has a bunch of skilled players. And so for me, um, the more opportunity Lettinen gets, um, I think the better off he will be. I would like to see him play more tonight. I would like to see him play more than Zach Bogosian. I'm probably not going to get my way, but alas, as long as I get there within 10 or 15 games, I will be fine. Well, I think the fact that Lettinen too has the versatility to play both sides of the ice certainly plays into his favor. Uh, yeah, like I think, well, to be fair, so does Travis Dermott. Like a lot of people don't yep. know this, but um, so Played Travis right Dermott and I are actually from the same town and uh, Travis Dermott played right D all the way up to the OHL. Yeah. Like he played right D from minor hockey onward. So when they put him on left D, I kind of went, why would you do that? Like he's <laughs> played right D his whole life and you need a right D like just move him back to where he was. And it's interesting that he's never really found the footing that some people expected on the left-hand side. And I think that some of that is maybe attributable to the fact that he grew up playing on the right-handed side. Yeah. Um, and so I think he's versatile. I think, well, I know Lettinen's versatile as well. Um, so for me, like you've got your top three and the top three are, are very apparent, right? You've got Riley, Muzzin and Brody. But I don't think that Hall's position should be anywhere near cemented. I don't think that even Dermot or Bogosian should be cemented. Like, you've got to get Rasmus Sandin in there if you want him to develop. And I, I think that if the Leafs are going to go far, they're going to have to depend on Miko Lettinen to, to play a bigger role. So what do you believe by, like, let's say game one of the playoffs, what would the ideal defensive pairings look like? If Rachel Dory had the lineup card, what would they look like? Uh, Riley Brody, provided that goes well. Uh, Muzzin Lettinen. And then I would have the bottom three sort of rotating, depending on back-to-backs, and that would be Dermot, Sandy, and Bogosian. Um, they essentially brought in Bogosian for the playoffs. So it would be naive to think he isn't going to play. Yeah. Um, and I also think that the way he plays and some of the things you can get away with in the playoffs kind of bodes well. Um, but yeah, I might, um, depending on where they are uh, with their forwards, I might consider going seven defensemen there um, just because I think that Sandine has shown himself to be a capable player and definitely someone who can contribute on the power play also think that like if you take riley off the power play he's still gonna penalty kill or you put him on the second unit it reduces his workload a little bit and morgan riley historically has performed better when he hasn't played 26 minutes a night (laughs) so ideally like letnin is my first pp guy riley or brody is the second um but those are the pairs i would go with RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and to choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock. Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. I want to get your thoughts and, and overall impressions on on some of the new guys. You know, obviously we've we've talked about 
Brody a little bit. We talked about Bogosian, Letnin, more so the back end. What about up front? You know, there was a lot of conversation coming into the year about what Jumbo Joe has left in the tank. I think we're all kind of thrown for a little bit of a whirl, and we saw him up there on that top line with Marner and Matthews on day one of camp. But you know what? I think outside of maybe the first night, it hasn't looked that out of place. I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on that and how Jumbo's look so far? I love it. Um, yeah. I actually was, was going through and, and looking at some stuff because I yelled about Naaman Severson on my podcast this week. <laughs> um, and to my utter surprise, um, the line of Matthews, Marner, and Thornton is, has one of the best expected goals and possession numbers in the entire league. But that shouldn't surprise anybody. It These shouldn't three, surprise people, but for everyone saying, the ice. Like, yeah, but for everyone nothing. saying that uh, Thornton doesn't belong there and he doesn't look good or whatever the case may be, well, he clearly does because you can put Zach Hyman there. Don't get me wrong. Zach Hyman is a good hockey player, but he doesn't bring the same thing that Joe Thornton does, right? If, and, and all of the metrics – um, are all about, they're all shot related, like shot attempt related um, in terms of possession and expected goals. I wonder what the actual time on ice in ozone is, like of possession, time, time of possession in the ozone is for that line, because I think it's a, I think it probably is the top line in the league because it just seems like every shift they're out there, um, they, they have the puck and you've got, three guys on that line that have all taken face-offs and two guys who are legitimate centermen in Matthews and Thornton. Um, and so I think that when you're always starting with the puck and then you have three guys that want to keep the puck, it's almost as if there's not enough puck, but they figured out a way to share it around, which means the other team gets none of it. Um, I've actually been impressed, and I really like what Sheldon keeps doing in terms of like Thornton is not going to play 24 minutes like Matthews and Marner are. So Thornton will play the power play and, and Thornton will go out there for, for some shifts. But then let's say like after a penalty kill or um, just kind of through the run of play, Zach Hyman will go up there. Um, and I think that that kind of gives Thornton some, some rest to keep his legs kind of rejuvenated. So if you can have Thornton playing 16 minutes a night, like that's probably for the best. And then the other 10 minutes you find, um, Zach Hyman or those two are playing on the penalty kill. Um, but I've been impressed with Thornton uh, so far. I think that the extra time off and then playing in Davos uh, prepared him well for this. Yeah. So like, I think he's one of the guys that really is, is getting off to a pretty good start when, you know, all things considered for a, a you know, 42 year old man. Um, just the fact that he's been playing for the last little bit, right? Where most of these guys aren't, right? He's in game shape. He's ready to go. He's been playing for a while. So I think that definitely worked to his benefit, the fact that he decided to go overseas and kind of start training and get going to make sure that he was ready to go once the NHL season came uh, came back. And, and, he, and he's, you know, played really well, like, like we both are saying. So I'm with you. I think that that, that has been a, a surprisingly real good fit. I would say it's something that, again, like I said, kind of jarred me when I first saw the lineup card, uh, you know, on day one of camp. But I've, I've liked what I've seen so far. Going down, I, uh, It's interesting, though, because like it jarred a lot of people. But I said the day they signed him, I want him playing with Austin Matthews, because if you think about what Joe Thornton's been known for his entire career, it's his ability to pass the puck. He made, I believe, Jonathan Chichu a 50 goal score <laughs> like that is imminently difficult to do so you once like when you get older and you age um you lose abilities right you lose the ability to skate um as fast and he was never really like the best skater the one thing that you never lose is the vision right your brain is always there and and your ability to think right you might not be able to execute on those plays as well but you can always see them thornton playing with Matthews as soon as Matthew's shooting percentage starts to get back to where it should be is very dangerous and so for me I was actually really hoping that that this would be the case when they signed him and and I'm really happy it is because it's it's working really well and and I'm definitely of the opinion that uh if it ain't broke don't fix it or fiddle with it yes I agree and it's funny too because 
you know, there was obviously a, a massive uh, love affair with Marlo and Thornton or Marlo and uh, Matthews and Marner. And now it's like Jumbo takes his place. He's like, he's like the cool uncle. And, and I, I made this comparison before. Are you, are you a friends fan at all? I have never watched friends at no all. No way. Oh my yeah. goodness. You're one of those people. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but there's like an episode where, where Tom Selleck is, is dating Monica. Uh, Richard is his character's name. And he's like a much older gentleman. He's like a friend of her dad's actually. But uh, so he's like, he's got a mustache and all obviously Tom Selleck and Joey and Chandler like try to become his best friend. Cause he's like that cool uncle or like that cool older dad or kind of like an uncle jesse type character i guess maybe okay if you watch full house a little bit i don't know i feel like they just they always want to be around their cool older uncle uh uncle joe if you i also think that like thornton brings that element but he also brings the element of if guys are slacking off as millennials and or maybe not millennials but like the gen zers tend to do like the younger players um that marner and matthews would fit into in terms of age bracket like he's that guy that will grab you by your neck and be like hey like figure it out um because he wants to win a cup and and so i think he's kind of brought some of that mojo um to the leafs and now these guys because he's such a lovable guy they want to win for him like i I don't love Matthews on the penalty kill just for injury purposes, but the fact that this guy's willing to lay down and block a shot and Marner, the same thing, like that kind of speaks volumes of, of what they think of their teammates and and how they realize that they need to be better. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Totally, totally agree. Um, Down the lineup just a little bit. You've got Wayne Simmons who uh, there was a lot of, of fanfare, obviously, when he signed here on well, not July 1, but whenever free agency ended up being this year. But Wayne Simmons, uh, your impressions early on what he's been able to do? Um, I've, I haven't noticed him a ton, save for that fight. For that fight. was interesting. Um, but I do like what he brings. And I like the fact that like he goes in, he wins battles. Um, like obviously he's not the most fleet of foot, but like he makes it difficult on the opponent. Um, he knows his job. He gets the puck. He moves the puck. Like it's, he plays a very simple game. And I've noticed a few times now, whether it be the fight or a huge four checking shift, um, when he has one of those things, the Leafs come out and their next few shifts are are very good. Um, so I think he brings that kind of leadership and um, get the boys on the wagon and like we're going I'm not for a second going to suggest that Wayne Simmons fight is the reason that the Leafs beat the Habs like I think Mike Johnson said it best he's like yeah like it could fire people up but like let's face it it was the power play yeah 100% but I think like I haven't loved him at the net front on the power play but I think there's potential there so I would want to keep him there just to like build something um but at the same time, like, I think he's doing his job. Um, I definitely notice a lot less runs being taken at the Toronto players now because I do think that before it was just Jake Muzzin, but now it's Zach Bogosian and Wayne Simmons. And, like, for crying out loud, like, even Joe Thornton would do something about it. So I think that um, Simmons has, has come in and, and been exactly what – uh, he was lauded to be, and I think he is a piece that the Leafs have have really been lacking and and have really needed over the past couple of years. I know it's still early in the year, but you know you're somebody who's spent time you know within an NHL organization, and you've seen the day to day of how you know teams operate both on and off the ice. But you know, have you noticed a a philosophical difference from the Leafs team this year? Uh, than you have in the past and, and does it give you hope that this, that they may have actually kind of hit on something and could have a pretty successful year going forward um I don't think it's fair to make obvious like judgments this close into the season but I will say that um if we're talking about I mean the way this team plays in front of Sheldon Keefe versus the way they play in front of Mike Babcock yes I've absolutely noticed a difference um I have noticed though this year um, save for Brody in game two, um, the attention to detail in the defensive end has gone up. 
Um, you can tell that when the Leafs get scored on and they do like the close up uh, to the players, they they're genuinely like pissed. <laughs> um, you can also tell like Matthews has been in the playoffs. He was the Leafs' best player, like bar none, uh, offensively and defensively. And I've noticed that to start the season, he's been a full 200 foot player, uh, which he wasn't in his first three years. And so um, that's been a huge improvement for me. I've noticed a commitment to um, little details like having your stick in the correct lane, stopping and starting on um, various plays on the boards. Um, It just looks like there's a bigger commitment in the defensive zone, which I'm never worried about the offense. Like there are, four players making four, $40 million. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about it. And you could make the argument that William Nylander, apart from John Tavares, has been the Leafs' best player um, to start. It's always been the defensive zone that I've been worried about. Um, and I think that the defenseman kind of got hung out to dry a little bit under Babcock. Um, and I don't know whose fault that is. But I've noticed that, like, Matthews and Marner, um, Nylander, I think Nylander might be the best of the bunch defensively. Um, have been a lot more committed. And so for me, that speaks volumes. Now, will it translate in the playoffs? I don't know. But the fact that they play with just a little more oomph is yeah. is nice. It's, it's, just, it's a little more complete, right? Like, it just seems yeah. like ever, everyone's buying in. And it's funny, you hear these cliches like, yeah, we want to we wanna do the little things right and, and things will just start kind of falling into place. And I don't really understand what that means. You know, as, I guess a, like a simpleton such as myself who's never really been inside of, of an NHL, you know, training camp or an NHL lineup or a coach's room or anything like that. You know, the little things just kind of sounds like a, a phrase that gets thrown around. But when you see it actually put into practice, it makes sense. Yeah, and, and so some of the little things like, I, I get bothered by cliches too. Cause I'm like, this is all definable. Like just <laughs> say what you mean. So when I, like when they say little things, they're talking about um, sticks in passing lanes, sticks in shooting lanes, um, tying up sticks at the net front, boxing out guys, um, winning your battles along the boards, um, shot blocking. Like those are kind of the six things that are, that encompass the little things um, clearing out the net front so that the goalie can see the puck. Um, those are the the little things. And I've noticed, obviously, with some notable exceptions, but the general play in the defensive zone has included all of those things, which it very much didn't early on, no. like a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. There is definitely multiple defensive lapses on a nightly basis, lots of puck watching instead of, uh, instead of player watching. But... I know we're all big hockey fans here at the Locked On Lease podcast, but what about football? You guys ready? You got college football heading into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season finishing up with the playoff picture becoming a little clearer, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. That's a promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. You toss 50 bucks into your account, you get 75. That's how it works using the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about tonight's game. Let's tee up this game. Leafs Oilers going down seven o'clock puck drop. Uh, I believe the fan has the game if I'm not mistaken. Um, but so what are you expecting to see out of tonight's battle between the Leafs and Oilers? You were, you were giddy to talk about it early in the episode. And, you know, I guess we, we, we could have talked about it at that point, but we decided ah, we'll just tee it up and have that be the last, that last little part to get people ready to go for the game. But, um, you know, obviously McDavid coming in, massive presence, right? Best, best player in the league, best player in the world. It's a, it's a big, big test here for the Leafs. And you talk about them, you know, doing the little things and how well they've looked defensively. McDavid can come in and change all that just based on himself. He can make a lot of people look stupid. He's, he makes anybody like, remember what he did to Morgan Riley last year? Um, I was in that, the building for that. Oh man. Like that was just, 
And like Riley's a like a good player. Like and he just made him look silly. But uh, you know what? What's kind of the key tonight to, to trying to contain McDavid if you're if you're the Maple Leafs? I have a sneaking suspicion um, based on their prior two games that uh, 97 and 29 in Oiler uniforms tonight are going to have a performance. Ooh. Um, yeah. Like there's just, um, I mean, I've, I've similar to Dermot. I've watched McDavid play since he was like eight. Um, <laughs> because like, for whatever reason, like our games used to line up and we kind of had the same friend circle growing up. Um, whenever he performed poorly, um, he wore it and and took it personally, and he took a lot of criticism in the off season very personally. Like he he heard people talking about McKinnon being better than him. He heard people talking about Drysaddle being better than him. And um, I think that whenever he comes to Toronto, it's kind of this added motivation. Obviously, his family's not going to be in the crowd tonight or anything like that. Um, but I've just got this sneaking suspicion that. Uh, one, if not both of those guys, are going to have themselves an evening tonight. I don't know if it's going to show up on the score sheet, but I am. If I'm a Leafs fan, I don't love that he had two poor games against Montreal coming into the game against the Leafs. Yeah. Now, will Edmonton's goaltending and defense hold up? Because they are a clown car right now. Um, always good to have Chris Russell on your uh, second pairing. Always good. Almost um, a Maple Leaf, Chris Russell. Good Lord. <laughs> um, Remember that well, summer? Yeah. That was yeah. like the eye test versus versus the analytics people on Twitter just battling like, oh, we need Chris Russell. Like he blocks so like, many shots. No, we don't. <laughs> I could find you good defensemen that block shots, namely Jake Muzzin. Um, yes. Exactly. Um, Chris Tanev does that. But I would say like – I love the, Tanev, by the way. discrepancy between the Oilers' talent up front and their back end is so enormous. Like they basically have Darnell Nurse, and for some reason they decided to scratch Ethan Bear, which like is very dumb. Because um, he could make the argument he's their second best defenseman. Um, I think that at this point, it's can the Leafs outscore McDavid and Drysital? So can the Euler defense hold so that like there have been, there are going to be multiple nights this year where McDavid and Dreisaitl put up three points each and the Oilers lose? Yeah. Is tonight one of those nights? I don't know. Um, but I, I really do think that uh, tonight's going to be a high-flying game. Um, there's going to be no defense played where Edmonton is concerned because I'm not sure that they know how to do that. <laughs> um, and I think that, that Toronto just is – that kind of team that if one team isn't playing defense, they decide to also not play defense. Um, so I would take the over in the game. Um, yep. I just, I think it's going to be really entertaining. This is probably going to be the most uh, entertaining game the Leafs have played so far this year. They might not win, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> Sidebar. If you want to take the over in the game, you can do that on betonline.ag, one of the show sponsors uh, of this podcast and of the podcast network. Um, there we go. Exactly. So uh, they, I don't know what the over is, but bet it because I, I I'm think with it's you. Six, Plus, which is far too low. It should be closer to seven and a half. Oh my God, six! Can I? That's well. That's wild, actually. Why six? So okay, but perfect. A hundred dollars on that. Because, yeah, probably. Yeah, I, because I, Freddie Anderson hasn't looked the same since his groin injury, and to me, that's the most worrying thing about the Leafs right now. Um, is Freddie Anderson, but. I don't even know what's happening in the Oilers' blue line or crease. It's bad. So when you combine those two things, that just seems like a recipe for goals. And, of course, now that I've said this, it's going to be 2 nothing. Probably. Yeah, yeah, we jinxed it for sure. But here's here's another thing, right? You talk about Matthews, and it was funny. I saw, um, I guess, this morning in when they were speaking to the media, somebody was joking about, I think it was Matthew was joking. Someone was like, Hey, now that they changed out the pucks, you have no excuses. You can start scoring again. So Matthew's like, so now I got a barrier. I'm going to hear it from everyone that I don't score without these pucks. So I guess he may have been talking about, did you hear this, this, uh, you know, they change out the puck tracking. Cause I guess yeah. there's some issue with it and felt differently. Like what are your thoughts? I don't know what could possibly feel different. Yeah. Um, I know they weren't, 
it's it's vulcanized rubber right and they go through a process and there's a reason that there's like official game pucks and then like regular hockey pucks um because they go through a bit of a more arduous process um and i guess these pucks because they were rushing or whatever the case may be didn't go through that process um it's going to be kind of funny if Matthews comes out and scores two goals tonight and, and one of them is a one-timer and the other one is one of those patented wrist shots that just goes bar down. Um, the see, guys, it was the pucks. I told you. It was, it just, was, the, it pucks. was the pucks. Yeah. Um, so the NHL has got to figure out a way to get this right. I will say, though, like in terms of tracking, I don't really give a shit about the puck. I care about the, the uniform, like the actual player tracking. Um, if I could get my hands on that data, the amount of things I could do with it. Oh my gosh. Um, like I want to see gap control. I want to see proximity to player. I want to see um, just like a bunch of stuff that I guess maybe normal people don't want to see. Um, like someone's uncle on Twitter doesn't care about the gap. Um, but yeah. I think with the pucks, like realistically, what does the puck to track? It tracks um, how quickly it moves. So like how fast someone's yeah, shot is. Like, okay. I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't care. Like if a puck goes in the net, I don't care if it went in at three miles per hour or at 93 miles per hour. I just care that it went in kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas like with player tracking and the chips in their jerseys, that tells me a whole lot more about the run of play than a piece of black rubber with a microchip in it. All right, so for tonight's game, give me kind of uh, real quick a, a three keys to victory for the Leafs. Um, well, shutting down McDavid um, yeah. is a big one. If you can shut down one of the two of them, you have a good chance to win. If you don't shut down either of them, it's very no, not a thing. Uh, do not take penalties. Like, just don't do it. Um, the Oilers' power play hasn't been excellent, but anytime you want to give those guys a chance, like you're, you're asking for it. Um, which means when I say don't take penalties, that means don't put Zach Bogosian on the ice when those two are on the ice. <laughs> that would be a big one. Yeah. Um, and then the third key um, is take advantage of the Oilers in their defensive zone, get um, pucks to the middle of the ice, cross ice passes, high danger chances. Um, Cause I think that on Koskinen, um, the Leafs will be able to put some in um, if they get to the high danger area. So those are the three keys, I guess. High danger chances, don't take penalties, a.k.a. don't have Zach Bogosian on the ice with those guys, and uh, shut down McDavid. We're literally on the same page because my three keys were contain McDavid, stay out of the box, and put pressure on Koskinen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> literally, I guess there's, there's, you know, it's the Oilers are an open book. And if you can somehow do those three things, you should be able to do well. Although the Oilers coming in kind of struggling on their power play after being the, the league's best power play. But I think that's more of uh, that's just a not getting, yeah, it's just not getting the right bounces, right? It's more of, uh, yeah. you know, unlucky. And, you know, I, we I don't want to play with fire if you're the Leafs. No. Like, just do not play with fire. Definitely not. Definitely not. But should be a good, uh, good game. Good litmus test to see where we're at. I mean, if you are Sheldon Keefe, because now he's put together this super shutdown line with um, Kerfoot, I'm in Kerfoot, McCann. Yeah, is that your your line that you're hoping can go up against McDavid tonight, or are you sending out, you know, Matthews and Jumbo and Marner and see how they can do against him? I go head to head. Yeah, eh? I go, I go, uh, I would probably actually put Tavares on McDavid. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, one of those two lines is going to get matched against McDavid. I would use the Hyman, Kerfoot, Mikheyev line against Dreisaitl. Um, and for defensive zone starts, I think I'd use them as well. Um, but at the same time, like, you got to start with the puck, which means you need to win the draw. So at that point, um, that's most important against McDavid is if you can just make sure he doesn't get the puck, then you're kind of good to go. But I, I would go head to head. I trust Matthews. Um, I would trust him. I would, I would issue the challenge. A lot of players of that ilk want the challenge um, in the same way that like even Kadri wanted it uh, when he was with the Leafs. I would challenge Matthews. Um, and say, okay, you're going up against either McDavid or Dreisaitl tonight, and Tavares is going to go against the other one, and I expect you to win this battle. Show me that you're better. 
And there's that added edge because over the offseason, McDavid and Matthew spent a lot of time together out in Arizona. So they've kind of created a bit of a friendship and a bond. And I'm sure they'll just yeah. be itching to go after each other and try and best one another. So, and, and knowing the, the type of guy that Sheldon Keefe is, and he's kind of always been, you know, good to his players and, and allowed them to, to do things that they've wanted to, I guarantee you Matthews wants this task. He wants to be able to go up against McDavid one-on-one. Now, if he ends up, you know, getting – you know, shelled that night and, and it's not working out. Obviously things may change, but I, I, I'm with you. I believe that um, Matthews wants this challenge and hopefully he's up, up for it. Hopefully he's up to the task. Like you said, he's definitely become a, a much improved player. His two way game has improved significantly. So tonight will be a good test to see how he can match up against the superstar of the game. Yeah. Like I would say if I'm Sheldon Keefe, I'm confident putting either of the top two lines out against McDavid. Um, but I I wouldn't shy away from also using Hyman Kerfoot Mikheyev against Dreisaitl. Like I think that's kind of the luxury you have now that Matthews has come along defensively is is you can put him out there against uh, top players. I mean I'm not for a moment suggesting he's Patrice Bergeron, no. but like he is Could capable. Be. <laughs> Could be he's still in 23. Right, so he's, that's true. He's got a long way to go. That's that's what I think. Uh, I I find, you know, interesting about Matthews is, and especially this year specifically, he's still so young. There's some time for him to mature, and I believe that. I, like I came out on this podcast, and and one of my I guess bold uh, bold takes over the course of the offseason was I believe that Austin Matthews, if he keeps progressing like he did last year towards the end of the year, I think last year the back half he really took a step defensively like he was a puck hound in his own end he was forechecking hard and he was just an all all around stud and if he keeps progressing that way I made the the claim that I believe one day he will win a selkie see like I don't disagree with that um I think uh and don't take this out of context I'm not going to compare him to Sidney Crosby um (laughs) because that's just like that's a whole different conversation. Um, but Crosby came in kind of offensive juggernaut, and then he basically decided, I'm going to be good defensively, and he finished like fourth in Selkie voting. And you could make the argument that he should have won that year. Um, in the same way that like McDavid this year was like, I need to be better on faceoffs. And now he's upped his faceoff percentage by over 10% so far. Like, obviously, small sample size, but I think the players like McDavid, Crosby, uh, McKinnon, Matthews, they have the capability to just kind of say, okay, I'm putting my mind to like this and I'm going to do this. I wish um, I had those capabilities. Yeah, really same. <laughs> if I could take a couple months out of the year, really try and do something and then just become amazing at it, I could accomplish so much more in life. <laughs> That's a mood. Yes. Uh, all right. Lastly, do you have a prediction for tonight's game? Oh, Oilers, 5-3. Ooh, so yeah, you're going for a big night for the Oilers. I'm with you. I think, that, well, okay, I'm against you in terms of the overall outcome, but I think that McDavid is going to have himself a decent showing tonight, but I think that the Leafs also will will kind of uh, – outscore them in a very high scoring affair i think the leafs win this one six four and end up with an empty netter that's 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 okay. where i'm at that's why i I'm like at. it we're both going high scoring so yeah. oh bet bet the over people take the over yeah that's you know that's they're almost giving you money at that point i was on a parlay last night just last thing aside i guess sidebar and i a five game parlay and it, it, it didn't hit because Colorado didn't win by two. I was so upset. And they missed okay, two. Okay, mine didn't hit either because Colorado didn't win by two. And I was furious. It was like I picked uh who did I have in the parlay? I had uh the Devils, I had the Islanders, so that's two underdogs that I got. Um I had who else did I have in that parlay? Uh the Blues, I think. Maybe it was the Blues and um, Colorado. And I had Colorado one and a half, and 
of course, Kadri missed the empty net on three separate occasions last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, Nats, come on. Landis Cog, a couple opportunities at an empty net, couldn't hit it. Doughty decided to eat pucks for no reason. And, yeah, it's, uh, it didn't go well. For me, I had, I had the money line on Florida, money line on – who else? I had Florida, not St. Louis. That's St. Louis is tonight that I have them. So I had Florida, Philly, the over in uh, the Pittsburgh Washington game, the over in, yeah, easy, the over in Ottawa and Winnipeg. So all four of those hit. There was a couple sweater. Like I was sweating out a couple of those, to be honest with you. You weren't sweating the Pittsburgh one though. That went over like in the second period. That was easy. But the, the Florida one ended up going to overtime and I was like, Oh no, they need to score. And then uh, Ottawa, if Winnipeg didn't tie that game, it would have been under at five goals, like uh, most likely, or or maybe I just had it not in a parlay, but I had the jets to win last night. And I was sweating. <laughs> I was like, was "Oh tough, god!" Man. It was uh, it was it was a good game actually. I I kind of enjoyed watching that game a little bit. Uh, that's gonna do it for us here today, though, on the podcast, folks. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. And Rachel, let the good folks know where they can find you on social media and plug away anything you'd like to plug. Um, I'm at Rachel Dory on Twitter. Um, it's pretty easy. Uh, pretty easy to find me. Um, and the Staff and Graph podcast. Um, we're part of the Blue Wire podcast uh, network now, and um, you can find us there, and we've got merch available now. So there's that. But uh, I'm not writing right now because all of my writing goes to my master's, which is going to be like 90,000 words. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. That is insane. Well, best of luck with everything, especially that 90,000 paper. That's, uh, wow. That's a, that's a I commitment. think I'm going to try and trim it to like 70 because like I just don't want to write that much. It's still a commitment. <laughs> that is a <laughs> massive commitment. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. If you guys want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow, but until then, enjoy the game, folks, and keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.